Uh, good morning. Uh, well, my name is Nate, and uh, I have the privilege and the honor to be uh, one of the pastors here at Pathway Church. They usually just let me hang out, though, with the teenagers, and um, which is cool because I'm getting older. And uh, just so you know, I thought I'd share 2022 is a big year. I turned 40 this year. Some of you are like, man, he looks really old, or you're like, he looks good for 40. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Thank you, mom. And, uh, but 2022, here we are, and you guys are starting off the year uh, right. This is great to be in God's house, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. So let me tell you what's going to happen today. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Thanks for uh, cheering me on about my 40th birthday. That makes me feel good. But uh, here's what we're going to do today. You're in for a treat. Uh, we're going to do a little tag team sermon today. Uh, yeah, some of you are excited. Awesome. And um, <laughs> so uh, in just a little bit, you're going to have the privilege and honor to really hear the, the meat today uh, from just someone that means so much to me that serves this church so well, but happens to be our Bible teacher at our school at Master's Academy. And so in a little bit, James Flaming is going to be coming out. Yeah. So we're literally, ta we're tagging in, okay? So this is, some of you, this brings back, you know, when you're wrestling, you know, you tag in. Um, and so we're going to tag each other in, and we're going to have some fun with it today. It's going to be great. But I'm telling you, you're in for a treat as he really brings the word today and the meat of this message. And I just have the privilege to, to tag team partner with him, and it's going to be great. And so uh, it's really cool what God's doing uh, in James's life, but he serves this church in so many different ways. He serves with the students. Uh, serves in tech and other things, but man, what he does at Masters Academy, most of you will never ever get to see it, um, but I'm thankful that our teenagers has a young man like him in their lives, and um, so you're, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat. So anytime I'm up here, I obviously get to tell on myself, and so I'm going to kind of share a story, and then I'm going to lob this up, and he's going to slam dunk it uh, here in a minute, but so a few weeks ago, I'm out shopping, obviously, uh, doing Christmas shopping, which uh, that day everyone else was too, which was great. And so, um, so, so I was, you know, just getting close to the Lord during that day. But one thing you're going to know about me is, is that um, my wife's going to kill me. She's not here. She's coming to the 11 o'clock service, so, and she doesn't know I'm telling this story, so it's all right. But so I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm really cheap, Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to tell it. I'm just really cheap. I had a buddy of mine say, Nate, you get more things free than anybody I know. Um, but there's just, it's probably the way we, you know, how we grow up or different things in our lives. But if I can get a deal or if I can, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, give, you know, we're going to have a little conversation. So I'm out shopping at a lo local store here. This wasn't like at a yard sale. So just so you know, I'm at a, I'm at a real store. And uh, so I'm at the store, and I'm looking for these pair of shoes. And so these pair of shoes, I noticed, I was like, you know what? Okay, that's a good deal. But I was like, th they had like a lot of like marks and scuffs on them. And I was thinking, man, these shoes are pretty scratched up. But you know what? I'm going to go up there and see if they can knock some of the price off. <laughs> I'm cheap. I know. I told you. My wife's going to hate this that I'm telling this story. <laughs> so I go up there. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to go and see if they'll, you know, do like half off or something. You know, hey, no hurt in asking, right? All they can say is no. 
Some of, some of you are you're picking up what I'm throwing down. I like it. And um, so, so I go up to the lady and I said, ma'am, I said, hey, you know, these shoes, uh, I, they're, all, they're all scuffed up. They're, they got all these marks on them. They were like dress shoes. And I said, I, I would like to, you know, just uh, see about if you could give a discount or anything. And, and so she looks at me and she says, oh, she said, sir, she said, that's the style. And remember what I just told you that I was about to be 40 this year? I looked at her, my jaw dropped. And I was like, now I'm all in. I got, you know, I, I wear some ripped jeans and I, I'm all in for that. You know, I'm all in for the cool stuff. But I'm like, these shoes look like some little kid went and just marked them all up. You know, it was just like, it was crazy. She's like, that's the style. And I looked at her and I said this. This is the honest truth that I said. I said, I'm totally out of style then. And I said, if that's the style, I don't want it. So then this is what I said to her. I said, well, that's okay. Will you still give me a discount because they're marked up? <laughs> and she said, no. She's like, no. And I'm like, okay. So I said, I don't want them. Anyhow, I'm sharing that and I'm about to lob this over to James. But here's where we're getting at. Today's title and where we're going with this whole seek first. And it's this. And we want you to kind of hang on to this as he brings the meat here. And here's what I want you to hang on is, is this, is that we're going to talk about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord as we start this new year. But here's what's interesting as I was reminded in that. We all have different styles. We all have different walks. All of our journeys look different in life and with the Lord. But today, you're going to hear the guide that we all can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It may look different. It may be a different style, and that's okay. But you're going to start this year off with really, truly hearing an awesome message and a guide of walking in the manner worthy of the Lord. I want to tag my partner and give it up for James as he comes. <laughs> Yo, 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 what is up, Pathway Church? Hey, big year for me as well. Turned 45 this year. So you're almost there, Nate, almost there. Ha. Hey, well, good morning, guys. As it's been said already, Happy New Year. It's such an honor to be with you on this first Sunday of the new year. You're making it a priority to be here. It's so exciting. And it's also been said, uh, we want to seek first uh, Jesus, God, as we start off this new year. We should seek him first every day, but specifically at the new year, we want to seek him first. And I'm super pumped, super excited because we're going to be in the book of Colossians through this series. And for me, Colossians has been like my bread and butter. Like the past year and a half, the Lord has done so much life transformation in my life through this book. So I'm so excited that we get to do it collectively together. So I've already, I got, already got a sneak peek, and if you've ever read Colossians, you have a sneak peek as well. But if you haven't, we're oh, come every week because it's going to be a good time. And it's going to be super exciting. So as Nate has said, um, he's already lobbed it up, set a foundation. So we're going to jump straight into this. So here we go. Put on your reading glasses. Pull out your Bibles. We're starting. Um, so a couple things to know about the church of Colossae, who Paul's writing to, is that this church was actually not started by Paul, surprisingly, um, since Paul started most of the churches that we know of in the Bible. This church was started by two individuals called uh, Epaphras and Philemon. Raise your hand if you've heard of them before. 
Okay, three of you. Um, that's good. That's good. Um, well, there's some, you can read more about them in other books of the Bible, and it's so cool to see just some common folk, not like apostle status type people, starting up churches in the early church movement. Super cool. Uh, it means we have a chance, guys. Um, so, and something to know about this church specifically, and pretty much all the churches in the New Testament, is that they're real people going through real problems. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I read the Bible and kind of think it's kind of like stale and irrelevant, but then you realize, wow, actually, no, God has used Paul to write to real people going through real things that we can learn about here in 2022, now, I was going to say 2021, New Year. All right, so there's a lot of things that was going on in Colossians, but specifically in the Church of Colossae, but specifically I want to highlight that they were dealing with some false teaching that was going on in that area. And there's a multitude of different false teachings that they were struggling with, but the, for the purposes of our message today, I want to highlight one of them. Um, it's popularly called now um, Gnosticism, um, a word we probably don't use very often in our everyday vocabulary. So let's get a quick definition of what this word means. It'll be on the screen. It says, this term comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. An agnostic is one who does not know. Maybe you're more familiar with the, the worldview of agnosticism, uh, maybe you have some friends that are agnostics. Maybe you were an agnostic at one point. It's pretty popular. I'm not trying to make this offensive, but it's just the easiest cop-out worldview out there because you could literally say, I don't know, to a hard question, you'd be right. Did God, did, who, who created the earth? Well, I don't know. Do we have purpose in life? I don't know. Uh, what happens after we die? I don't know. Do you know your birthday? It's like, oh yeah, I know that one. Agnosticism, claiming you don't know anything. So Gnosticism is the opposite of agnosticism. It's the belief you can know everything. So let's continue on in the quote. It says, um, the Gnostics were the people who were in the know when it came to the deep things of God. They were the spiritual aristocracy in the church. So Gnosticism, um, very philosophical, very deep, higher level thinking. Um, maybe some of us struggle with Gnostic tendencies, right? We like taking conversations 10 feet deeper than the pool calls for just because we have a lot of knowledge to share and show off to each other, right? I know I've struggled with that before. But um, this, this worldview... And here's another quote um, that Warren Wearsby, an author and pastor, shares about that I want us to catch on to because this is important as we set the tone for what the rest of what God has for us today. He says, to begin with, this heresy promised people such a close union with God that they would achieve a spiritual perfection. Spiritual fullness could be theirs only if they entered into the teachings and ceremonies prescribed. There was also a full knowledge, a spiritual death that only the initiated could enjoy. This wisdom would release them from earthly things and put them in touch with heavenly things. Notice how Weirdsby calls it a heresy. Like heresy is like, whoa, heresy, right? When I think of heresy, I think of my neighbor sacrificing a goat in the backyard, like a colt, right? But this is something that's not in left field. This is something that can easily happen to all of us if we're not aware and vigilant to our way of thinking, right? Because like, look at it, a oneness with God, closing with God, spiritual perfection. That doesn't sound all that bad. I mean, that sounds very churchy. But what's the biggest issue with this thing is that you got to be um, live according to the ceremonies and teachings prescribed. And what's happening here is that they're adding human tradition and ceremony and putting on the same level as the Word of God. And that's something that, if we're not careful, we could do the same. So we got to be vigilant. The Word of God is the ultimate authority. Sure, maybe you have some traditions or whatever, but that never is on the same level as the Word of God. And we should never act as if something apart from the Bible has the same authority as the Bible. So this Gnosticism, we're going we're gonna to come back to it here and there. I, that's why I went into such depth to, um, un, for us to understand what it is, because maybe you don't know what it is for sure. But, so that, that's what the Church of Colossae is dealing with. 
So with that background in mind, let's go ahead and jump into our text today. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, um, verses 9 through 12. It's going to be on the screen, but you can turn there as well. I'm going to go ahead and quickly flip there. And just a little bit of context before I read our passage for the day. Um, Paul has given his introduction, him and Timothy writing this letter, and he's just sharing how thankful he is for the church of Colossae. Like, you guys are, you're, you're killing it. You're rocking it. Keep on doing what you're doing. And then as he transitions into this passage, he's, he's saying a prayer for them. And the implications of this prayer transcends just that time and culture back in Colossae. It's something for us to dig in and apply to our lives today. So that's why we're going to read it. So we can even substitute ourselves into their shoes, if you will. So let's go ahead and read this passage together, um, starting in verse 9, going to 12. It's on the screen, like I said. And it says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. It's Pathway Church, if you want to put that in there. Asking that you, Pathway Church, may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That is a mouthful, Paul. Paul was on a roll there. Like, there's so much in there. I've got to be honest. When I first read this passage, I was, a little, I was a little overwhelmed. I'm like, there's so much in here. Where do we start? It kind of took me back to my, my high school days. I know it's probably been a while since a lot of us have been in high school. It's ancient history to most of us, but it's okay. Let me just refresh your memory just in case you forgot, or even college if it wasn't um, too long ago for you. I remember times when the professor or the teacher would unpack an assignment that was like multi-layered. Like the instructions had instructions. Like you're sitting there like, oh, this assignment's doable. I can, get, I can pump this out one night, the day before it's due. And he keeps going. And it's like, okay, maybe I, it'll take me two nights to do this. <laughs> Just engaging my procrastination, right? And he's still going, explaining the assignment. And then at this point, I'm like, does the professor even understand the assignment? Because he's explaining it so much, and I just don't know where to start. If any of my students are in here, they're probably like, Mr. J, that's literally you. Good job. <laughs> Exposing yourself. Um, but hey, there, this, this is what it could feel like. And if you've ever been in that situation where you had an assignment like that, what's the hardest part? Is knowing when to, like how to start the assignment. And that's why we procrastinate a lot of times because we're fearful we don't know how to start. But um, so when we look at this passage, we're like, okay, where do we start with this, Paul? There's so much in here. I can't do it all. I'm getting overwhelmed. It's only the second day of the year. What do we do? Well, if you look at this passage and we're going to unpack it, there's actually a natural progression, a literary progression in this passage. It's so, it's honestly beautiful. I'm not a literary buff by any means, but it's kind of like, oh, that's really cool, actually. Um, It's the genius of the the Holy Spirit working through Paul. The main thing I want us to capture and that, you know, Nate has already alluded to is this idea of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you see on the screen, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him. Yeah, as he referenced the shoes, our spiritual walks might look different at different points. We're all on a spiritual journey, amen? We're all, it's a journey, all right. Some of us have been in it for years. Some of us just getting started, and it's awesome. We're still on the same journey. But regardless of where we're at in the journey, this, this um, passage and the implications of it are relevant to all of us, and it's the template that we should be living by. So that verse 10, if you see it, highlight in your Bible, if you have your actual Bible um, with you, um, walking in a manner where the Lord, everything revolves around this passage. It's the climax of um, Paul's prayer, uh, preceding it, if you look at it, and, we'll, and we'll, this text is going to be on the screen for the rest of our time here, and we're just going to highlight some different things, but preceding this statement in verse 10, we have some prerequisites that are necessary in order to even be capable of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, like the foundational things you need even in order to do it, 
And then after verse 10, we have four demonstrations of what walking in a manner of the worthy of the Lord looks like. I don't know about you, but walking in a manner of the worthy of the Lord, that's, that's, a, that's a lofty proposition. Like, how do you do that? Well, Paul unpacks it. He gives us practical things that you and I can apply this afternoon right after this service, and it's super cool to see. So let's go ahead and start with the prerequisites. What are the things that we need in order to be even capable of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? And this is important. This is like the, the bread to your peanut butter jelly sandwich. If you don't have the bread, you don't have the sandwich, my friend. So please, please get this part, or else we're in for a, a rough treat for the rest of the service. It says in verse 9, um, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. It'll be highlighted there on the screen. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In order for us, you and me, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we've got to know what God's will is. We've got to understand what he wants, right? That's natural, right? If you're trying to please someone that's important to you, you're going to do your due diligence and try to understand what they like, what they don't like, right? Um, maybe you found this out the hard way, right? Two week, a couple weeks ago was Christmas. Maybe you're like, um, oh, I get a gift from my significant other or my spouse or my children. I'm just going to wing it this year. I think they're going to like this, right? And some of you got, might have gotten the death stares of disapproval this Christmas when they unwrapped it. And it's like, dude, what, you think I like that, right? So in order to give the best gift possible, you have to understand what they like, what they want, what their desires. So for us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we have to understand what is the will of God? What is the will of God? And if we're, if we're being honest, at least with myself, I feel like we, as a church, us specifically, but as a whole, can make this really confusing. Like the will of God, what is it? Like we turn into a mystery. Like we gotta, we gotta find it. As if God's like up there in heaven, like, oh, you're so close to finding it, but you missed it. Um, no, God has revealed his will. He's made it available for us. Now understand that there's sometimes some mystery as to what God has called us to do individually. For example, a high schooler trying to understand what career God wants them to walk in. You might be sitting there like, God, what do you want me to do? I know I was there, right? But even something like that, if you understand your spiritual giftings, um, natural talents, and God-given passions, these three things converge into your calling. And I say calling because this might just be a James thing, but the term calling gives me the heebie-jeebies sometimes. Um, I think it's like a word sometimes that's thrown around church, and we don't necessarily understand all of its implications. Like, James, are you called? James, have you received your calling? I'm sitting there like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> Am I supposed to get something in the mail? Right? <laughs> or it becomes like the ultimate trump card for any conversation. You're just talking with somebody and says, well, 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 the Lord called me to do this. And you're sitting there like, oh, yeah? <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, what do I say to that? Okay, the Lord called you to do it. All right, have your way. Right? I mean, I hope this has never happens to anybody. But like, if a guy comes up to a girl and is like, the Lord, you know, the Lord just called me to ask you out. <laughs> and the Lord called me. And the girl's like, I don't know what number you got for the Lord, but he didn't call me about that, right? <laughs> and if we're not even careful, we could use this whole calling thing as an excuse not to do something. Yo, Jimmy, hey, you should, you should get involved in the church, man. It's awesome. It's great. Jimmy's like, well, well James, I, the Lord didn't call me to get involved in the church. And I'm like, oh, oh why, why didn't you say that earlier? Like, right, obviously I'm being a little facetious with this, but this idea of calling becomes very mysterious, and God has revealed what he wants from us. And where can we find his will, the revealed will? That's, that's in his word. That's in his word. And you might be saying, well, the Bible's a big book. I mean, they had to break it up into 66 just to fit it all, right? Yeah, it's a big book. I'm going to give you the Sparks Note version that's said a lot. 
Um, being in the will of God is to glorify God by loving God and loving people. That's the, the big umbrella. And the specifics about that, yeah, are in the Word of God. And that's why it's important that we take time daily to be in the Word of God. That's why it's a discipline that's worth pursuing, right? We might not want to do it every day. But when we understand that in order to know the will of God, we got to be in the Word of God. But, you know, like, I have students sometimes come to me or I just hear different conversations like, I just don't know the will of God for my life, James, or Mr. J. And I'm like, All right, wait, when's the last time you've been in your Bible? Well, last summer. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, there's, there's, there's your first problem. Let's get in the word of God. I'm not saying it's going to magically appear all of a sudden after that, but let's be in the word of God. We get so confused and we're like, man, where is God? And we don't spend the time with God. It's like, well, I mean, you got to figure that out yourself. All right, so with that being said, we also need to resist, going back to the Gnosticism, when it comes to the will of God, we need to resist any Gnostic tendency to add things to the word of God for us to understand what he's called us to do. Let me explain why I mean by that. Sometimes we think we need to have like some sort of mystical one-on-one experience where God like divinely writes his will for us on a napkin or we just get the, the inner butterflies of the spirit moving. And I'm in no way trying to limit God to anything. He can, he can work in some abnormal and some mysterious ways. If that's what he wants to do, he's God, I'm not. That's cool. But what I'm saying is that we don't need to wait until these divine mountaintop experiences to start doing what he clearly has called us to do. Should I love my neighbor? Well, the Spirit hasn't rocked my socks concerning that. So, no, he has clearly made that available to us. So we walk in that in diligence, understanding that his will of God is made manifest for us. So that is the prerequisites that we need in order to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We need to understand his will. Now let's go ahead and move on, transition to the demonstrations after verse 10. Four demonstrations, we're just going to fly through these. The first one is this. You can see in verse 10, um, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Uh, fruit bearing is a common, common lingo. It's a very churchy thing. Maybe you're new to the church. Like, what do you mean bearing fruit? Well, we got to be a farmer now? No, bearing fruit is this idea of fruit is your actions. We bear good works in response to what Jesus has done for us, right? Just to be clear on that, we're not saved by our fruit bearing. We're not saved by our good works. But if we're, we're saved, we'll be demonstrate that through our good works. Manifested, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And this, this fruit bearing concept, you can see it, some cross references for you. John 15, uh, Jesus talks about being the vine, we are the branches, and if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. If you know the in book of Galatians, chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and just lists off a bunch of different virtues. If we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, let's start bearing fruit. Secondly, um, in verse 10, it says, increasing in the knowledge of God. Says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need to increase in our understanding of God. Let me just ask you a couple questions. Are we, are we growing in our theology of God? Theology kind of sometimes gets a, it's a bad rap because of different things, but we're not all going to be theologians, but we should be growing in our understanding of God. And when you find out that the more you study God, the more comforting it is. We study his faithfulness his immutability, how he doesn't change, his omniscience, he knows all things. As you increase in your theology, you start understanding the God that you're in an actual relationship with, right? And that's what it's all about. We're in a relationship with God. So let's seek to understand him. Another question, are you growing in your hermeneutics? Are you growing in your ability to study the word of God? We're not all going to be pastors and, and um, teachers, right? God has gifted us in different ways. Amen. Hallelujah, right? But if you consider yourself a Christian, every one of us should be able to read, interpret, and apply God's word. It says in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, 
rightly handling the word of truth. This verse just personally fires me up. Um, I don't think there's any, for me this is an opinion from James, but I don't think there's much, anything more damaging to Christianity than Christians misrepresenting God because they don't know how to handle his truth correctly. Let me explain what I mean by that. When we say God says, or the Bible says this, and we insert our misinterpreted verse or our verse taken out of context, and the world's like, wow, wow, I guess he does say that. No, no, God doesn't say that. You say he says that based on your misinterpretation, and it gets all fuzzy because of that because we don't handle truth correctly. We don't read things in context. We don't do our due diligence to understand what God's saying. I don't know about you, but like personally, I do not like being misrepresented. If someone says, oh, James said this, and I come back and I'm like, no, I didn't. Well, yeah, he did. And like someone takes you out of context, it's frustrating. Anyone else get frustrated with that? I mean, just a little bit? Oh, okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> now three people get frustrated with that. Misrepresented. I'm sure God isn't liking misrepresented either. So let's do our due diligence to grow in our hermeneutics. And then lastly, are we growing in our apologetics? Apologetics meaning are you able to defend the faith? And again, we're not necessarily all gonna be the next Lee Strobel or Josh McDowell, but we should all, and uh, Peter says, um, do your best, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. We have a curious world, a watching world, and they want, they want answers, and we, 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 can, we can give them the answers, which is so awesome about it. We have the answers. We need to be prepared to share them. So increasing our knowledge of God, the best way this is done, it's already been mentioned, it is having that, having that time with the Lord a quiet time, right? Maybe that's kind of a churchy thing as well. What's a quiet time? That's just a, a set time, whether it's in the morning, evening, in the middle of the day, whenever you want to do it, where you just spend time with the Lord, reading his word, and in prayer, right? There's no set time to it, seven minutes, 70 minutes, whatever the Lord and you agree on, but you take that time to do so. And we, we might be asking, like, how, how do I do that? Well, we got a great opportunity, sorry to mention, but we got this 21-day uh, fast, and there's a devotional plan that goes with the fast, right? So we got 21 days before you lined up. After the 21 day, you got to figure it out after that. Um, but there's so many resources available for you to have a quiet time, and it's super important. All right, before we move on to the last two demonstrations of what walking in a manner worthy of the Lord looks like, I just want us to quickly understand how these first two demonstrations are connected, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. What it's saying is that you should be bearing fruit as you grow in your knowledge of God. In other words, your knowledge of God should lead to practical application. And there's a quote from Wearsby I just want to read. It's rather lengthy, but I think it just unpacks this point super well. And it's not going to be on the screen, so just listen to this and understand how our knowledge of God should lead always to practical application. He says this, The false teachers in Colossae attracted people through their offer of spiritual knowledge, but they did not relate this knowledge to life. In the Christian life, knowledge and obedience go together. There is no separation between learning and living. The wisdom about which Paul prayed about was not simply a head knowledge of deep spiritual truths. True spiritual wisdom must affect the daily life. Wisdom and practical intelligence must go together. Then he continues on. In my pastoral ministry, I have met people who have become intoxicated with studying the deeper truths of the Bible. Usually they have been given a book or introduced to some teacher's tapes. Before long, they get so smart that they become dumb. The deeper truths they discover only deter them from practical Christian living. Instead of getting burning hearts of devotion to Christ, they get big heads and start creating problems in their homes and churches. 
All Bible truths are practical, not theoretical. If we are growing in knowledge, we should also be growing in grace. That's just so powerful. Our knowledge should be a tool in our tool belt to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God. We don't seek knowledge for knowledge's sake. Here, one, one uh, afternoon this past school year in one of my classes, I was just doing my, teaching my lesson for the day. And I honestly don't know how this conversation came about. I think just one student just asked spontaneously <laughs> how I was connected to the material. I have no idea. Um, but that happens with high schoolers. Um, and it's okay. It's good. You got to be on your toes. Um, he, he asked or she asked, I can't remember, um, can, we, can, can God's mind be changed? Or in other words, can we change God's mind? And I sat there, and I'm like, I honestly, I've never thought about that before. So I opened the floor to discussion to the class to see what they thought. And I was amazed at how passionate kids got about this conversation. I'm like, man, if I could get them this passionate, this passionate about their studying, we'll be, we'll be good. But they're passionate about, does God change his mind or not? And there's clearly two opposing sides where one said, he does change his mind, he can. And the other said, they do not. And I'm just listening. One side says, no, we can't change God's mind because he's immutable, meaning he doesn't change. So he can't change his mind. The other person's like, well, when we pray, aren't we praying with the hopes of changing God's mind concerning something? The other person's like, that's a great question, but prayer is not to change God's mind. I'll just tell you that. Why? Because God's purposes never change. He always, never has a plan B, right? Well, what if God's purpose was to change his mind? If he doesn't change his mind, therefore he's not fulfilling his purpose. At this point, I'm just like pulling out the popcorn. I'm like, all right, we're getting, I have no idea where this conversation's going, but it's getting intense, right? So a couple exchanges happen back and forth. The bell rings, the class leaves. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, that was productive. We accomplished a lot today. We were a good steward of our time, right? So does God change his mind or not? Who cares? Right? Okay, so I might, ch- I might change my mind about this topic if, you, if uh, you, you approach me and there's some valid implications for practical living based upon that. But who cares, guys? We serve a very big God. There's some very deep things about God that we could talk about from sunrise to sunset. When God said, put the commentary down, walk out your door and start loving your neighbor. Understand what you need to do. There's a lot of things about me you're not going to understand because I'm God and you're just a person. If you could understand me with your brain in my fullness, I would be a very small God. So let's not get deterred from practical living, seeking conversations that would be, make for good conversation starters in your Friday morning chess club. Third, third, third demonstration of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and I would say this is probably the most important, and it's in verse 11, being strengthened. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience with joy. Out of the four demonstrations of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, this is the only one written in the passive voice, meaning we're not doing the action, we're receiving the action. That's very important. That's very important. In order for us to be able to bear fruit, in order for us to grow in our knowledge of God, we've got to be strengthened by God. And it, and it honestly breaks my heart seeing so many well-intentioned people that are passionate and determined, like, I'm going to grow in the, my knowledge of God. I'm going to grow my fruit. And they burn out because they never had the strength of God inside of them. It happens so much. Like, we try to produce the fruit without the seed that produces the fruit in us. I'm no farmer or gardener, but I, I, if you plant something, there's no seed. You can pray over that mound of dirt from sunrise to sunset, but there's going to be no apple tree if there's no apple seed. And the seed of power that allows us to even produce the good fruit is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
And without that seed, you'd be as determined and well-intentioned as, as you can, but you're not going to produce any fruit. We do a lot of doing, 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 but not a lot of receiving. Sometimes we need to quit doing and start receiving. If you're always doing, you are never receiving, but if you are receiving, you'll have the strength to do the doing you've been called to. To drive this point home, let me just share an illustration I shared with our students last year. It's a silly illustration, but I think it's the, the job done. So last year, I remember there was a time in the year when I just was reading some of my students' assignments, and I could just get the sense, I'm like, they're doing a lot of doing and not a lot of receiving. Like, the, the things they were writing were good, but it was like, I just got to do this, I got to do this, I got to give up this, and they're all good things. Nothing was wrong about it, but it was just, you can hear the exhaustion coming out of the paper. It's like, they're exhausted, they're getting burnt out. So I shared with them that um, in a chapel service that, and there's going to be a picture on the screen, our relationship with God can be a lot like this cart. And if you have one of these carts, it has a nifty feature where the wheel's locked. Super cool, right? Don't want your valuables rolling down our Florida hills. Um, And I said, have you ever pushed the cart with the wheels locked just for funsies? Like, no. Who does that? That's weird. I remember my first year teaching, we had this huge computer cart. I had all the laptops. And pushing that baby was a, ha- was a hassle. I can't imagine pushing with the wheels locked, right? That's, that's ridiculous. That's toilsome. Just like you wouldn't push one of those carts with the wheels locked, why are you pushing your spiritual cart called this thing, down this thing called life, without unlocking yourself to the spiritual blessings that are provided in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit? It happens so frequently. We get spiritually burnt out. Every, you know some tired Christians? I feel like Christians are tired a lot. I mean, I don't know this is me. Why are we tired? We have the Spirit of God living inside of us because we're doing a lot of doing and not receiving. A lot of doing and not receiving. So you might be asking, okay, what, is it, what does it mean to start receiving? That's kind of a lofty thing. And the funny part is, I mean, there's no like magical formula for receiving the Lord. Well, if you wake up at 7.15, face east with the blessing by Carrie Job playing on the background, you're gonna be received the Spirit like nobody's business. No, that's a very Gnostic idea, actually. Uh, like a method, a formula where, no, it's going to look different. And here, here's the thing. I'm going to bet, I am going to bet that you know what you need to do to start receiving. The Lord's putting on your heart. Hey, you need, to, you need to do this. You need to carve out this time. For me, I try my best, if possible, to see the sunrise every Sunday morning because I know that's where my receiving gets done and I have the energy to do the doing. And for you, it might not be a sunrise. It might be something different, but you know what it is. You know what it is, but you're contemplating it because, you know, we're, we're a busy society. we got things to get done. We have tasks to complete, deadlines and all that. And to think about setting some time just to sit there and receive sounds like a waste of time. You know what's a bigger waste of time? Trying to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in your own strength. It's not a waste of time. So I encourage you, it's the first Sunday of the year. I just pray for a, a fresh empowering for all of us and just an awareness of knowing what you need to do in order to start receiving. Fourthly, and we close with this, the fourth demonstration of a walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is, is in verse 12. It says, giving thanks. Giving thanks for what? To the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. For you who are new here today and first, first time in church, this is something called the gospel. And this gospel that we give thanks for is what drives us to do what we do. People wonder, like, why, why are Christians always trying to be holy and perfect? Trust me, we're not perfect, right? We do it because of what's been done for us. While we were dead in our sins, Christ made a way 
to set us free and restore relationship with the Father through his death and resurrection. And we give thanks for that because there's no other natural response than to give thanks. We pursue walking in the way of the Lord out of response of what he's done for us. Bear fruit. Give thanks. Be strengthened. Grow in your knowledge of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, such a treat to be in your presence and in your house today with God's people. Just unpacking your word that you've graciously given to us, that you've stewarded to us to understand so that we can apply. I just pray that we would walk in a manner worthy of you, (laughs) not in our own strength, God, but in your strength that you've provided for us, that you've made available to us. Because you have not called us to something that we can't do apart from you, but we can't do if we don't have you. So I just pray that this, this, this morning as we close off our service here, we would seek to walk in a manner where the Lord as we seek you first in this year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I, t- I told you all we're in for a treat. It's good to know that our teenagers at our school are in good hands. But here's the challenge. James and I, we've been actually just, just kind of tell you, James and I actually, we meet every week. Uh, we, we just, that's what we do. We pray together. We hold each other accountable. Um, and so we've been praying for this day for a long time. We didn't know who would be here, but you're here. So now you have the opportunity to respond to his word and what he used James to challenge you with today. It's the first Sunday of the year, 2022. No better place to be than here. No better place to say, I'm going to start this and walk this year uh, in this manner worthy of the Lord. I want to do this. But then James talked about it, and we've been praying for a long time. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're asking you to make that and take that step today. And so our altars... It's open, chairs, we'll be out here, come talk to us. We prayed for you. We prayed for this moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So however the Lord challenged you, the Holy Spirit's working in your life, respond in that way. So we're going to sing together, and we're going to be available, and we're going to be here, and whatever you need from us, but the Lord is here. And so you respond in what you need to do to walk in that manner that is worthy of our Heavenly Father. But if you don't know him today, I'm going to encourage you that you do make and take that step to get to know him today. May the Lord bless you as you respond and as we sing today. Let's stand. Thank you.
Celebrate his faithfulness, church, in your life. Celebrate his faithfulness in your life. Lord, we, uh, we're overwhelmed with why sometimes you would be so faithful and so trustworthy and love us so much. Because we know in our flesh we don't deserve it. We know we messed up over and over again and sinned against you and not been within your will for our lives, not been, in, been within your plan for our lives. But Lord, your grace and your mercy are so much bigger than those failures. Lord, your, your victory is there for us at every turn if we would just receive it. So Lord, may we cling to you this morning. May we remember that it is you that allows us to walk in a manner that is worthy of yourself, Lord that is worthy of you. Lord, that is only found in you. And so, Jesus, may we dig in. May we seek you. May we surrender to your will and your way for our lives. In every situation, every circumstance, Lord, may we find you faithful. And so we sing it again. We sing it again because you are faithful right now in this moment. You're faithful this morning. Great is your faith to me Amen. 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 Give him praise. <laughs> so, uh, just before you leave, uh, that was our benediction, by the way. We're going to do it that way this morning. Out here in this lobby is a welcome center. If you're here for the first time or you haven't been here very many times and you haven't checked in, come check in, check us out, see what we believe, what, what God's doing here. And we've got a gift for you. Uh, we also have a cafe over here. If you've never been to our cafe, we've got some yummy food and coffee over there. Hang out and linger. And if you haven't had the opportunity to give, there are giving boxes around campus, and you can also give online. Thank you so much. Let's make 2022 surrendered and submitted to God and his ways for our lives. Amen. All right. God bless you. Now go and be the church.